We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Fielding the 68, the Field of 68's best, excuse me, bracket show. Ha <laughs> best bet show is a different show I host. My name is Kai McEwen from the Three Man Weave. I'm here to walk you through some bracketology talk with two of the very best bracketologists in the entire world. Brad Wachtel, Lucas Harkins. Ah, happy for you guys to join me here on a lovely Friday as we get closer and closer to March, closer to the actual reveal of the bracket. It's the best time of year, fellas. How we doing? Lucas, how you doing? Doing well, doing well. Making it through. We're getting closer and closer to Selection Sunday with each passing day. Heading on to a huge, huge swing weekend. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Not not sleeping at all, but that's okay. Just numbers, numbers, numbers. As uh, Mr. Rothstein likes to say, we sleep in May. We sleep in May. Uh, fellas, I want to start the show off here with uh, a quick discussion on what has changed for you since the uh, the, the all-knowing committee's top 16 reveal last week. Um, if you're not familiar out there, the, the committee released their top 16 teams. I'm guessing in an effort to be transparent, quote-unquote, or give us some insight on where teams stand at the current moment. Uh, Brad, I, I know, actually Lucas as well, we all were kind of confused by some of the order, uh, some of the teams in, in the top 16 reveal. Um, the order is the pecking order. But Brad, what has changed for you um, since that week? since last, last weekend? So there's been a few things that have changed. Uh, first of all, the one line is still the same. So you mm -hmm. still have Houston, Alabama, Kansas, and Purdue, not in that order, of course. Um, but they, they are still the one line. And the two line has also uh, remained the same with Baylor, UCLA, Arizona, and um, who am I missing? Of course, I'm missing uh, Texas. Texas, of course, the top two seed. Uh, appreciate that. Um, so, so things that changed. Uh, so Virginia lost at Boston College. Uh, they were a three seed at the reveal. That's a bad loss. Dropped them to a four seed. Uh, Kansas State beat Iowa State. Uh, they were neck and neck. Um, Iowa State actually lost twice since the reveal. So that for, for me, they dropped from a three seed to a four seed. Uh, Marquette won at Creighton, an excellent win. Uh, high Q1 win for them, high Q1 road win, which the committee loves. 
Uh, so they were a four seed at the reveal. They are now a three seed. Uh, a team like uh, Xavier. So Xavier was the committee's last team in as a four seed. Uh, lost at home to Villanova. Uh, not a good loss. So they are now out of the top 16. Uh, and for me, the team that slid in is the team that most people had in. Yeah. But the committee didn't seem to like for some reason. And that's UConn. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, UConn was, I think, the, the consensus surprise of teams that did not make the top 16 reveal. So who else... Um, you said Iowa State and Virginia slid down to a four for you. Who's the other team that um, rose to a three besides yes. um, besides the Marquette? Team, the other team that rose to a three was Gonzaga. Gonzaga, okay. Lucas, uh, similar feelings for you on the top 16 changes or a little bit different? Yeah, we had the exact same movement. Um, I would say the two things that, that Brad didn't mention that I think we're both in agreement with um, but didn't come up, obviously the one seeds are still the same, um, but I moved Kansas up to the number three one seed. Um, as a result of its week, and I dropped Purdue to my fourth one seed. Um, and as a result of Kansas State's really nice week, uh, they won back-to-back home games against Iowa State and Baylor. They moved to my top three seed. I think they're closer to a two than a four right now. Everything else, I had this exact same moves um, as Brad, which with, with Gonzaga um, and Marquette up onto the three, um, and UConn filling in for Xavier on that last four spot. And one thing I also want to mention about Tennessee uh, they did lose a couple games since the reveal, but there was a, there was some separation uh, yep. between them and the teams that were the rest of the three seeds and four seeds. So even though they are no longer, you know, even though they didn't win, they might have moved down the three seed line a little bit, but they're still three. Yeah, Tennessee's difficult, right? You, you saw them lose in real life, but predictive metrics are still five point six, five point seven on average pretty ridiculous that's a hard team to, to knock off the three line i think at least right now um all right love it let's go into the one seeds guys we said it was the same uh, as everyone's been expecting from the top 16 committee from you guys doing the shows these last couple weeks but let's pop them up on the screen real real quick show them as a consensus alabama houston kansas and purdue and one thing i thought was interesting so kansas had 14 q1 wins which i think is would be a record one of them dropped off to to uh, a Q2, now just 13 Q1 wins. I'm sure they'll get back up there, but just yeah, a funny just bracketing note. Yeah, yeah always always sliding uh, with the Q1, Q2, Q3 wins. The, the net, it's a big mystery. Um, so, Lucas, you said you shifted uh, Kansas up this, this, this week uh, on the one seed line in the S-curve. Uh, why'd you do that? Well, up to 17 and five across the upper two quadrants compared to Purdue being 14 and four. It's one more loss, but three more quality wins. They have two more quad one A wins. Uh, they're number one across both resume metrics, KPI and strength of record. Quite frankly, having them as my third one seed, I think is a little bit disrespectful. Um, I thought it was disrespectful where they were at the bracket preview in the first place. Um, but our job is to reflect what we think the committee will do. And the committee, I don't think respected Kansas very much. So I can't. Um, yeah. So they're my third number one. I think they could have on paper, legit argument to be the top overall seed, but the committee disagreed with that thought um, last week, putting them as the number four, one seed. And I don't think that we can necessarily see them jump Houston after just that one week. Is that weak predictive metrics, quote unquote, weak compared to the other one seats? Is that why they were, were yeah, I think that's or third or fourth? True. I think that's probably the argument um, and total losses too. Bama mm-hmm. only has four losses uh, and Houston only has two. Brad, uh, shift. you had a couple of shifts as well on the one seed line. I, I would agree with, with Lucas about Kansas okay. um, moving them up the line. And I, and I do agree that there's an argument to be made that they should be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. And they still might be 
right. uh, because of the opportunities they have you know, to end the season and then obviously the Big 12 tournament. Um, so we'll see how that shakes out. Um, but they're obviously in excellent shape to, to receive a one seed. 14 wins against the field. Um, as you mentioned, uh, 17 quad one and quad two wins. Nobody is even close to that number. Yeah. Yeah. They end up with 20 Q1, Q2 wins at the end of the day. It's pretty hard not to give them the number one I mean, overall seed. That would be more quad one and two wins than some teams that make the field as an at-large would have wins, period. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, that's crazy to think about. Purdue, how close are they? I think they're both your, your number four one seed, if I'm not mistaken. How close are they to falling off the one seed line? Or, or is there a pretty big gap there, Lucas? Yeah, I think there's a gap. Kansas is my top two seed right now. Um, and I think there's a gap there. They both have nine quad one wins. Texas has two more losses. Um, I, and their metrics aren't quite on par with where Purdue's are. I think there's a little bit of a gap there. I think if I had to point out a two seed that can make a run, I think I think Arizona might be a team. They're already 5-0 and in quad 1A games, and if the committee wants to make a statement about how good they played against their top, top opponents, uh, Arizona might be able to make that jump. But I think Arizona and Texas have a little bit of a gap between um, their spots on the two line and getting up to Purdue on the one. Brad, any uh, anything to add there? I would agree with that. Um, I think Purdue is okay, especially with the schedule they have remaining. They play Indiana at Wisconsin and Illinois, you know, two of those three at home. You would imagine they'll take care of business at home. They should be okay and end up as a one seed. I will say the team that probably has the best opportunity, I agree, with Texas and Arizona. Mm-hmm. Texas, though, gets to play at Baylor, at TCU, and Kansas. Mm-hmm. So if they can somehow, you know, are they going to run the table? Probably not. Um, but the opportunities are there for them to potentially jump Purdue if they do. Um, and then Arizona, of course, gets to play at UCLA uh, and at USC to end the season. Uh, and as Lucas mentioned, you know, 5-0 and high Q1, they have a chance to yeah. increase that number to 6-0. and uh, They're still in play. Yeah, 5-0 and against Q1A for Arizona. That stuck out to me as I was doing my bracket exercise today. It's like, wow, that's... That's incredible. No one's really touching that number. Um, so Arizona pretty much locked into that too, at least for, at least in my opinion, um, unless something catastrophic happens. Um, but okay, good one seed discussion. Let's go to the bubble. Let's see your guys last four in, first four out. You guys actually have the exact same uh, group of teams in the last four in. Some slight differences in terms of S-curve, but let's pop up your consensus on the screen here and discuss here. Oklahoma State, USC, Wisconsin, and Mississippi State are the first, excuse me, the last four teams in the field. Let's go to Brad first. Um, talk about your order and add anything you want about any of these teams. Yeah, first of all, my order is from safest to least safe is USC, Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, and Mississippi State. Um, but but first off, none of these teams are safe uh, mm-hmm. by any stretch of the imagination. All of these resumes, all of these teams have flaws. Uh, but right now, there, there's a little bit of a cutoff between, it's getting closer between these four teams and the rest of the bubble. Uh, so got to keep winning games to stay to stay above that, uh, that threshold. Um, in terms of USC, why I still have them in, eight and six, Q1 and two, which is, which is a solid number um, for a bubble team. And their, their metrics are pretty good. Um, I wouldn't say they're great. Again, these teams are a bad loss away from being out of the field. Mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, they need to keep winning. Wisconsin is an interesting team. They just managed to 
stay afloat. Uh, and, you know, they have six Q1 wins, 10 and 10 Q1 and 2, top 40 strength of record. Their predictive metrics are terrible. Um, <laughs> I've watched a good number of Wisconsin's games. Do they look like a tournament team? Do they pass the eye test? Eh, some people <laughs> might say no. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't matter because they still have the opportunities and your resume is your resume and they're still hanging in there. Um, Oklahoma State, the, the thing that stands out on their resume is their high Q1 road win at Iowa State. Uh, but they're just 4-9 Q1 and 7-11 against Q1 and Q2 teams. Uh, and then Mississippi State, for them, they did beat Marquette on a neutral court, which every week looks better and better, right. um, as well as only wins against TCU and at Arkansas. Uh, but but I'll keep saying it. None of these guys are safe. So I, I noticed when I was doing my exercise, Oklahoma State and West Virginia, pretty similar resumes. And we saw the committee, even though they weren't supposed to, it seemed like they favored some conference record or at least considered it. When you see Oklahoma State two games up on West Virginia in the Big 12, given what West Virginia just beat Oklahoma State. But given that, do you think there's a chance the committee would slide Oklahoma State above West Virginia? Yeah, I think there's a chance for sure. But watching the committees revealed, they also favored teams that didn't have any bad losses. Sure. Um, and that's where Virginia, West Virginia falls. They also have the better overall metrics than Oklahoma State. So, yeah, like we always say, conference record, it, it doesn't matter to an extent. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, that, that is definitely something to keep in mind. We'll see how the teams finish out. Uh but you want to get that number maybe to a four games under 500. That'd be nice. Yeah. Gosh. Uh, Lucas, what was your order for uh, last four teams then? Yeah. So again, same four teams, my order, I've gone Mississippi state as my fourth to last team in followed by Oklahoma state, USC and Wisconsin. Um, I think Mississippi state, just as Brad had, it could easily be closer to the cut line than fourth to last. And I wouldn't be opposed with that. Uh, I think they get the edge over some of the teams with similar resumes. They have higher top-level wins. Uh, both Wisconsin and Mississippi State have wins over Marquette. Uh, but Mississippi State also has the wins over TCU, Missouri, and Arkansas. All teams are projected to be top nine seeds for me. And obviously, they've lost two of their last three, but their next two of their next three are now at home. They finish at Vanderbilt. I think two and one will probably keep them in, on the right side of the field. Oklahoma State, you know, replacing a five-game winning streak with a three-game losing streak helps nobody. Um, and that's pretty much what they've done. Uh, and then they, then they go Kansas State and Baylor at home. So huge opportunities. And then they go at Texas Tech. Uh, they have the opportunities to really make a big jump, but they also have 12 losses. Um, I think with, right. with how hard their closing stretch could be, they can pile up losses. They can get to 14 really quick. Um, USC, as Brad mentioned, is one of the few teams with an above 500 record against quad one and two on the bubble. They're eight and six in those games. They got two losses in the bottom two quadrants, but they have the biggest statement win, I think, of these four teams. They, they beat UCLA. Um, it was at home, but that's the type of win that uh, over a top two seed that I think matches up well against other teams. They won that game by 13 points. Uh, they took care of business, tricky road game against Colorado last night. They go at Utah, then they get Arizona and Arizona State at home, which are, are solid opportunities to continue to move up. Um, as Brad Breshman, Wisconsin's got six squad run wins. It's better than just about everyone in the bubble. And they've alternated wins and losses for eight games in a row. I think, as Brad mentioned, there's a little bit of a gap between this last team in the field, Wisconsin for me, and I think Mississippi State for him, um, and the first few teams out. Um, so Wisconsin's, I think, in okay position as the last team in. The road win over Marquette um, really stands out, but that's their only quad one win. Quad one A win, just fewer than, you know, Texas Tech, Mississippi State, New Mexico, Pitt, Michigan all have two. 
Um, I think Wisconsin's the most interesting bubble team right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they only have they only have swing games left on their entire schedule. Uh, they go at Michigan, which swings things on the bubble. Michigan's trying to play their way in. Uh, they get Purdue at home, which is a swing game, as they can play themselves into better positioning. And then they go at Minnesota, which is basically the only landmine loss yeah. in the entire Big, Tw- Big Ten possible is if you lose to Minnesota. So there's a lots of things Wisconsin can do in its final three games. It could see itself with a strong finish, even sitting as high as a nine seed. It could fall very quickly off the bubble, too. Remind me what the record is for highest net in the tournament. We've only had a few years, but what was what was Rutgers last year? 77? 77 last 77. Year. Okay. So Wisconsin's net is 70. So they'd be getting close to that mark. But yeah, 77. Woo. That's high. That's high. Um, all right. Let's shift to first four out here. We're gonna get some good conversation, I'm sure, from this. Starting with Lucas. Let's throw up his uh first four out here and let's get a breakdown. All right, so you just mentioned the lowest team to ever make the tournament at 77th in the net. Utah State is currently 34th in the net. The best net-rated team to miss the tournament was 32nd. They're in a similar spot there in terms of being in a spot that puts them in position to make the tournament. I think they're very tricky to make an argument right now. They have no quad one wins. That's the huge hole in their resume. But I think that things could change for them in a hurry. They they could change as early as 2 a.m. Saturday morning. Nevada plays uh, Fresno State tonight. If Nevada wins that game by a significant margin, they could climb from 32nd in the net into the top 30. Utah State beat them at home. That would give them a quad one win. Utah State also finishes with a home game against Boise State left, who's 24th in the net. That would be another potential opportunity for a quad one win. Really, that's the big gap in their resume. Their metrics are solid. They're 34th in the net. Um, it, it's if they can pick up those those quality wins, if they can get help from Nevada getting into the top 30, and if they can beat Boise State, I think we could see them leap onto the right side of the cut line. Another thing with Utah State is whether the committee wants to really take into account wins over automatic bids as a big thing. We talk about wins over the field, and we mostly discuss at-large teams, but Utah State beat the WAC leader in Utah Valley. They beat the MVC leader in Bradley. They beat the Summit leader in Oral Roberts, all in non-conference play. Uh, those are big wins that I think probably deserve more credit than they're getting. Um, my next three teams out at Penn State, Texas Tech, and North Carolina. Uh, Penn State and Texas Tech have both climbed recently. Nittany Lions have won three in a row. Texas Tech's won four in a row. Uh, the Red Raiders have really added signature wins. They got Iowa State, Kansas, Kansas State all at home. Uh, they finished with TCU, Kansas, and Oklahoma State, two of those games at home. Um it's really, really, really hard to overcome the 322nd ranked non-conference strength of schedule plus an 0 and 8 start in Big 12 play. Yeah. But God darn it, they are trying. They are there getting all they man. can to get into that field. <laughs> uh, and I still put North Carolina as my fourth team out. The metrics aren't as favorable as Utah State for a team that has no quad one win. Um, and really the big old thing here is that 0 and 9 and quad one. It's impossible to overcome. They need a quad one win. Uh, really to be taken seriously. They've had a ton of opportunities. They're 0-9. They've failed all of them. They get Virginia and Duke at home next. They need at least one of those, um, and they have to avoid losing at Florida State. They yeah. probably need to go 3-0 to finish. Crazy number one to out of the tournament. Uh, regarding Texas Tech, hey, committee's supposed to take into account injuries, man, and Texas Tech's had a lot of them. They've had nine different starting lineups this season. There haven't been a lot of teams out in the country that have been as injured as them, and obviously with AMAC back in the lineup, they fared pretty well. So we'll see when, when all is said and done at the end of the season, where all these records stand, especially with Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, kind of being in a similar cluster. But 
man, they, they've been impressive lately, the Red Raiders. And I kind of want to see them win the next three just for the pure chaos of it. I know it would make our jobs pretty tough from a rectology perspective, but I still want the chaos. Uh, all right, Brad, let's go to your uh, uh, first four out on the screen okay, so here. I have Break Penn it down. Um, I think Penn State is – so they're four and six Q1. Um, they have a huge game against Rutgers on Sunday. I think if they can win that game, and we'll probably talk about this later, but Mississippi State plays Texas A&M um, at home, and if Mississippi State loses, I will be putting Penn State in the field over Mississippi State. Um, so that's a that's a critical critical game uh, for Penn State. Uh, Utah State, for all the same reasons that Lucas had mentioned, um, I'm not so sure if a win over Boise State is enough to get them into the field. I, I think they could use another top-tier win in the Mountain West Conference tournament to really get over the hump. Um, I'm just not sold on it uh, at the moment. Um, then I have New Mexico, and look, if you just look at the resume, you probably say they're not in because they have four bad losses. But two of those four bad losses came without Jalen House. Yep. Um, he's back now. Uh, the committee has to take that into account because their one Q4 loss came to Wyoming and he didn't play. Yep. Uh, they have two high Q1 road wins, which we saw in the reveal the committee loves. They won at San Diego State and at St. Mary's. So this team is hanging around. The problem is they're under 500 in, in their league, which again, we know not we know conference play doesn't mean a whole lot, but they're also not in a high major league. Um, which might matter. Uh, so they're, they're kind of hanging around for me, um, but I will be curious to see what the committee does you know, with that significant injury because that plays a large role in their resume. Um, and then finally, I have Arizona State who moved up basically um, because other teams lost. Um, they're, they're over 500 against Q1 and Q2, nine and four road neutral, um, but they're going to determine its own fate. Uh, they play at Arizona, at UCLA, and at USC to end the season. Wow. Yeah. So if they can somehow win two or three of those games, they'll be in the field. Yeah. I'm, with, I'm with Brad on them being pretty close. I have New Mexico as yeah. my fifth team out, Arizona State seventh. Um, and, yeah, yeah, and, and same with, with Lucas. For for me, it's actually like a, it's like a first seven out. Because yeah. yeah. my next yeah. three, North Carolina, Michigan, who we didn't mention. And Michigan's Texas my back. sixth. So yeah, we're right there. Yeah, so we're we're basically identical. Michigan is is an interesting team who got a big win at Rutgers uh, last night, and they have the opportunities left. They finished the season with Wisconsin, at Indiana, and at Illinois. Hmm. You know, if they could somehow grab two of three of those, they're in the mix. Yeah, and another thing I'll add, even on Penn State, is just there are some things that just don't really show up on the team sheet as obviously as others that have really improved. Um, like for Penn State, they were one and seven on the road last Saturday. They're three and seven now. I mean, it's yeah. wins over Minnesota and Ohio State, uh, but picking up those wins away from home to prove that they could do so um, has put them, for me, one of my first teams out, and for Brad, same spot, I would think. And and same with Penn State. The other item that stands out is no bad losses. Yep. Yeah. Every right. other team on the bubble has bad losses. Penn State does not. So – you know, they, they've, they've avoided it so far. Hopefully it continues that way. Um, I they can't, they, they, they have, they have to, they have to Minnesota anymore, right? They don't, they get Rutgers at home, Northwestern on the road, Maryland at home. Correct. So they're, they should be done with Minnesota yep. barring a playing them again in the, in the big 10 tournament. Um, no. So, you know, they're hanging in there. 
not to mention Jalen Pickett is kind of in the zeitgeist right now. People are talking about him. Penn State, pretty popular right now in the mainstream media uh, with him playing like a superhero this, this past week. Um, let's throw up the consensus from the rest of the fielding of the 68 guys here just to show our first, or excuse me, our, our first four out. So Charleston actually sneaks into it uh, for the consensus version of the first four out. Interesting, because we didn't touch on them for either of you guys. Let's yeah, say they're, it's yeah, go ahead, Brad. All you got to see is their overall record 27 and three. Yeah. If they, you know, Lucas and I were discussing this earlier, if they happen to lose, lose in the conference championship game and finish the season with four losses and, and 30 wins. Yeah. The, the committee is going to take a hard look at that team. Yeah. yeah no one's, no one's ever not made as a 30 win team, right? Lucas. I don't think so. They're my, they're my automatic qualifier to the CAA. Yeah. Um, they're tied with Hofstra atop and, and Hofstra has the head to head. But that's why they're not in my first. Cause I go on, if there's a tie at the top, I go with which team is going to be the prospective favorite to win the auto bid, mm-hmm. um, which will be Charleston in that case. Um, even if they're the two seed, they will probably be the, the betting favorite to win the league. Um, so that's where I've gone with Charleston. I would have them in a similar spot though. I think that they're probably in those first few teams out right now, if they're not large, but at the same time, if they go 30 and four, it, it, honestly, if the committee takes a team with 13 or 14 losses over a four loss Charleston, what's the point anymore? Yeah. And again, 30 and four would be, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I want to say like Missouri state back in the day had like 26, 27 wins. I remember it was a big deal and they didn't get in the field, but 30 would be a bit egregious in my opinion. Yeah. And, and one thing also Charleston has going for them, you know, even though they don't have any wins over the field, they do have a very good strength of record for a team you know, yeah. of their stature. They're, they have a top 50 strength of record. Um, so they have that going for them, which, which is better. Yeah, definitely. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lucas, do you, sorry, do you want to add something? No, I'm, I'm in the same base. Okay. Great. All right. Team hitters, two things I want to do specifically for this is I want to sort out the mess that is the Big Ten and the SEC. And I, I mean specifically, there's a cluster in both these conferences around certain seed lines. So starting the Big Ten. So we got Iowa, Rutgers, Michigan State. I'm, I'm kind of assuming for the purposes of this exercise that Maryland, Northwestern, Illinois, a small cut ahead or cut above those three teams. So sort out for me, Brad, Iowa, Rutgers, and Michigan State on the, on the in the uh, bracket. Sure. Well, they're all kind of different uh, per se. Iowa is, they have seven wins over the field. 
They do have a quad four loss. Um, that was without bad, bad quad four loss. That was the EIU. Yeah, yes. that was without a couple of starters. <laughs> yes, yes, um, true. But Don't but the loss is a loss. Um, and that's that's really affecting their seed, which is why I have them in that eight nine. I have them as an eight seed right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are the, the wins over the field is something that is carrying them at the moment. Um, Rutgers, on the other hand, they had a significant injury a couple of weeks ago. They lost Mawat Mack. They are one in four since his injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not the same team. They're just not. Um, from an offensive standpoint, they've really, really struggled of late. Um, you know, defensively, they're still very good. But again, how much is the committee, how much is this going to play a role in the committee's decision making? Not, and I don't mean just making the field. I mean, you know, for seeding purposes. Yeah. Because they're not the team that beat Purdue. Um, they're just not. Uh, and in terms of the, their remaining schedule, they play at Penn State, they're at Minnesota, and they get Northwestern at home. You know, look, if they win two of those three games, they don't have anything to worry about. But what happens if they lose at Penn State? That's only a Q1. That's okay. But then they lose at Minnesota. Now, all of a sudden, things are getting tense. Yeah. Uh, so th- we don't know how things are going to go because – we, we're not sold on the way they're playing with this current roster. So yeah. it's a, these final three games are a big stretch and the Big Ten tournament to show the committee that they're not the team that played the last five games. You know, maybe they're somewhere in between what they were at the beginning of the season and where they are now. So every game is critical for them. Um, and now, then there is something to be State, happy about. They don't have – go ahead, Lucas. If there is something to be happy about for Rutgers, if they do trend closer to the bubble – they're, they're one win of late at Wisconsin head to head. When you get right at the cut line, yeah. that head to head win is, is, is a nice one to have in their pocket. Right. Yes. That is, that is nice. The things though, that they have against them are the core non-conference strength schedule, their road neutral record, which right now is three and seven. One of those is Purdue though. Yes, that's, that is correct. <laughs> that, that win at Purdue is going to get them in the field is, is what I believe is we'll get them in the field when it's all said and done. Um, and then Michigan State has zero high Q1 wins, but they do have, but they are seven and eight against Q1. Yeah. So they're they're kind of in a similar spot to Iowa, maybe probably slightly better because they don't have that Q4 loss. Um, I have them as a as a seven seed right now. Um, they're over five hundred against Q1 and Q2 opponents. Um, so they're they're in pretty good shape. I, I see them kind of hanging around that area, anywhere between like a six to eight seed, depending on how they play the rest of the way. Lucas, do you kind of agree the pecking order there? Michigan State sounds like a little bit ahead of Iowa. Iowa a little bit ahead of Rutgers. Is that kind of where you where you? Yeah, they're 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 settled. Eight, they're eight, nine, ten for me. Michigan State's an eight. Iowa's a nine. Rutgers is a ten. Rutgers down in the ten line for you. Okay, yeah. They're, they're my top ten. I, I ended up going with Florida Atlantic for my last mm-hmm. nine. Um, but I think that they're down at that ten spot right now for the reasons that that Brad mentioned. I yeah, and they're they're my last nine seed. Uh, right, I think they're now. closer okay. to a yeah. nine than an eleven, but a ten. Yeah, yeah, very yeah, curious I mean, to see how the committee handles new injuries like like yeah. Mag here, and we've seen the the product on the court with with him on the bench. It's not good. Um, all right, SEC Lucas, uh, same kind of exercise here. More teams: Kentucky, Auburn, Mizzou, Arkansas, Texas A and M. I would say most people have these teams between the seven and the nine seed line, so pretty close, clustered together. Maybe a ten in here. How do you sort through these teams? Who do you like the best? Who do you like the least? 
Yeah, I think I like Arkansas the most. Um, their mm-hmm. metrics are outstanding. Uh, they're top 50 in the net. They're top, I'm sorry, they're top 15 in the net. KPI, BPI, Ken Palm, Sagarin. Um, I think they're projected seven right now, and it wouldn't shock me at all if they got like a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they don't have great quadrant records, but their metrics are off the charts. They're 6-0 and when Nick Smith plays 20-plus minutes. Uh, they won all those games, all against Ken Palm top 135 teams by an average of 21 points. Uh, if they keep dominating with Nick Smith, it, I think they're going to get a pretty big seed boost. I could see them getting close to a five. Um, Texas A&M has been just tremendous lately. They're up to a seven for me too. The two quad four losses linger. They're top 25 in every other metric, eight and five in every two quadrants. They're looking safe and safer with basically every game. Uh, and if there's a byproduct of things, I think as one team improves, other teams also get benefit from that. Uh, Boise State and Memphis both beat Texas A&M in non-conference play. Yeah, huge. Uh, those wins are looking better and better for those two teams sitting as double-digit seeds. Uh, Kentucky, kind of same thing. They've moved from like hard on the bubble to being a pretty safe single-digit seed for me. They got five yeah. quadrant wins now. They're ten and seven across the upper two quadrants. Missouri is probably the toughest team to seed in the entire field. I don't know if Brad Weird. would agree with that, but like the toughest, toughest, toughest cakes to crack. Great wins, awesome resume metrics. They have the lowest quality metrics of any team currently in the projected field. Wisconsin averages 59 wow. across the three quadrant quality metrics. Missouri 66. That's the gap. Um, yeah. I have no idea what the committee wants to do with Missouri. I, I, I'm thinking an 8-9 game, but we could see them drop um, lower than that based on the quality metrics. Selection is different from seeding. Um, Auburn is probably my least favorite of this group in terms of seeding. They're somewhere in that 8-10 to 10 seed range, uh, even with a road loss to Vandy recently. Um, Northwestern, Arkansas, and Mississippi State, who Auburn beat all of, are all really helping Auburn's case right now. But if anyone has like a murderous row to finish the end of their schedule, Auburn does. They go at Kentucky, at Alabama, and then Tennessee at home. Good luck. Oof. Yeah, that's a that's a tough little threesome right there. I, I feel like when I'm when I when I'm gonna submit my final bracket, the SEC is where I'm gonna miss a two seed line team. It's gonna be yeah. Mizzou. Mizzou's gonna be like an eleven out of nowhere because of the predictive metrics. Arkansas is gonna be a five. It's gonna be a mess. Uh, Brad, specifically about this group here, my question for you is. Does the fact that Texas A&M's two Q4 losses, the fact that they happened a long time ago now, and the fact they're playing so well right now, do you think the committee kind of, quote-unquote, more or less throws those out and kind of focuses on the conference play for them? No, I don't think they throw them out. Do they dismiss it a little bit? Yes, but not a whole lot. Texas A&M is the only team in the field that has two quad four losses. Wow. Only team. So, you know, you are what, like, like we keep saying, you are what your resume says you are. Um, they've been hot lately. The committee did show some recency bias with the, with yes. their reveal. Uh, so I think they're going to get the benefit of the, of the doubt. Um, I have them as my top eight seed at the moment. Uh, I could see them, you know, as a seven right now. Um, my last if they continue. Yeah. If they continue playing this way, you know, they could go up a little bit higher, but probably not that much higher because of those two Q4Ls. Uh, in, in terms of this grouping of teams, the teams that I'm most concerned about is Auburn. Mm. Um, I actually have them as my top 11 seed. I, I moved them oh, down wow. a little bit, which is a, probably a little different than most people. I'm not sold on them. They're just 2-7 and seven against Q1. They had zero high Q1 road wins. Um, and the rest of their schedule, as Lucas mentioned, they could easily go 0-3. Yeah. 
you look, you're looking at potentially finishing two and 10 against Q1 opponents without that major, major victory. Mm-hmm. Auburn's not safe. They're yeah. just, they're, they're not. Um, maybe I'm a little low on them, but I, I feel okay with them as my top 11 seed, just based on, you know, the quality of, of what they've done. Before Auburn hates us, they're my third nine seed. Third nine seed. Yeah, I mean, that's, again, that's what I mean by I'm going to miss a team by two seed lines on, on in the SEC cluster because you don't know what the committee is going to really favor. And, yeah, to Brad's point, it seems like they added that last 12 games on the on the resume, the team sheet, again, yeah, secretly. That would be a great bonus for Texas A&M. And, and right. if, you, if Texas A&M <laughs> wants, to, wants to move up seed lines and, it wants, and their fans want to move those quad four losses to the past, look no further than last year's Dayton team being the first team yeah. out. There you go. Right. The team that lost a bunch early on and then uh, three straight sub Ken Palm top 200 losses in the first like four games. Yeah. Of the year, I think. And then three straight wins over top 25 teams or something like that. It was a, it was a crazy, crazy six game stretch there. Um, all right, let's shift gears to some chat questions. I've been kind of writing them down as, as, the, as they've come through. Um, we kind of talked Texas tech. We kind of talked about the injuries that the one Q three loss, how they're getting closer to the field. Is there any scenario here, Brad, that the Big 12 gets nine teams? It might be the best conference we've seen in 20-something years, top to bottom. Is there a scenario this happens, or is that a pipe dream? I think it's possible. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, the way the committee does you know, their seating, they don't do it by conference. They do it by, by your resume. So, sure, it can happen. But with the way things are going to turn out with, with between, obviously, Oklahoma's not getting in, but between right. West Virginia and um, – Oklahoma State and and then obviously Texas Tech you know I expect two to get in wouldn't be surprised if it was only one yeah all right how about Lucas for you UConn's ceiling a couple questions in the chat their seed ceiling it's like impossible to answer that question (laughs) it's like impossible because really it should be a two but yeah. like the committee was so I, I I don't I know they weren't playing well at the time of the bracket preview, but really I think it was it was not borderline disrespectful. It was disrespectful that they weren't in the top yeah. six, based on what 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 has been shown in the past. Their total body work deserved to be a four, if not a three, on the bracket preview. I think two should be their ceiling. Their ceiling might be a three, late three, or even just it might be a four. The committee just wasn't very happy with with Connecticut at, at, the, at the bracket preview. And it's really hard to gauge where they're going to go because of that, because they should have been higher then. Where are they yep. really? They, we knew they probably would have been a five at the bracket preview, but where on that five line even? We don't know. Yep. I, and I think it, they're one of the really tough teams to judge their ceiling because the committee was not kind about where they were a week ago. Maybe the committee saw the feedback on Twitter and say, oh, whoops, uh, we made a mistake. So we're going to hey, buy Purdue. Off. Get off the one line. Secretly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Brad, we talked about Penn State quite a bit. Michigan, you said you had them, I think, in your next four out. Is that right? Something yep. like that? Um, I think we both have them six out. What do they have to do to, to get into the field? They're kind of a weird team, too. I think they – so they got Wisconsin at Indiana and at Illinois. Win two or three. Yep. I think yep. if they can win two of three – look, they have – right now they have six wins against the field. For as bad as their resume looks, six wins against the field. If they can beat – win two of those games – you know, beating Wisconsin potentially could knock Wisconsin out. I don't know yet. Um, we'll see how it shakes out. But you're potentially looking at eight wins against the field. Nobody nobody has that that isn't wow. a top six seed. So 
the committee is for sure going to take note of that. And if you remember last year, a team like Rutgers, who actually, you know, it's a, some similar similarities, had a Q4 right. loss like Michigan does, um, but they had a plethora of top tier wins. Uh, and that's what Michigan is trying to do. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how it turns out for them. Uh, if they can get two out of three, if they can only get one out of three, they're going to have to win a few games in the in the conference tournament. They'll also, I think, of a couple things um, on their side in that compared to where they are now, if they go two and one, which would include, I think probably include winning at, at home against Wisconsin, uh, they'd get another win at Wisconsin. So that they, they would be, they would split that season series, which would take away that, that head-to-head advantage Wisconsin has right mm-hmm. now in the bubble. And also if they beat Wisconsin and route to that, at, if they go, if they finish two and one and beating Wisconsin, they're going to finish at worst um, two games over Wisconsin, the big 10 standings, if they want yeah. to pay attention to that. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, a lot's going to come down in these last three days or excuse me, three oh, games yeah. in conference play as it usually does. We, we always of course make that caveat. Uh, Lucas question in the chat about Houston. Is there any way they drop to a two seed if they drop a single game to finish out the year here, or even in the AAC tournament? Uh, yeah. If they lose to East Carolina, they yeah. could. Okay. Like, I think that that's, that's a bad enough loss that I think would give them their second loss in the bottom two quadrants. I think at Carolina is probably a quad three game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that might do it. I don't think a loss to either Houston. I mean, obviously Memphis, yeah. I, I, either Memphis or Wichita state would do that. Uh, those are their final three games. So I think just take care of business at East Carolina tomorrow. Um, and they're going to be on the one line in yeah. um, selection Sunday. The thing about Houston that stuck out to me about the resume, they're number one across the board in predict- predictive metrics, yeah. every single source, number one, number one, number one. That's pretty tough. That's a lot of inertia, we'll say, to get off the one line. The Kansas version of KPR, strength of record. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Brad, kind of an interesting question here. Missouri Valley, Drake, Bradley, no one's really talked about them from an at-large perspective. Presumably, it would take a lot of work and and kind of some weird stuff to happen, but is there a path for either Drake or Bradley to get there, or is there too many losses, not enough enough quality wins? Yeah, there's just not enough quality wins for that for, for either of those teams to get there. I mean, they are one and zero against Q one and three and three in terms of Drake, but they have three bad losses. Um, their strength of record is not where it needs to be um, when you look at what the committee's done over the last couple of years. Uh, so that's going to be a one bid league. Yeah, I agree. Tend to agree as well. Hey, maybe someday they'll get back up there, and then that team will leave the Missouri Valley for a different conference, like we've seen about every single season. Uh, one last point here before we get to the games to watch of the week here. I'll ask both of you guys this because this comes up every year when I'm doing a bracket. It seems to me the committee does not take into account conference tournaments as much as people would believe, especially championship games and conference tournaments. Brad, do you feel the same way? This notion is correct. Should we not be putting as much stock in conference tournament wins and losses? Or do you have a different opinion? So Saturday and Sunday? Saturday and Sunday, yeah, don't matter. Saturday and Sunday don't matter. (laughs) And really, Friday is up for debate. Mm -hmm. Um, The games leading up to that, you know, the the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of the, you know, high major tournaments, teams can play their way in, teams can play their way out. But after that, based on what the committee has done for a number of years now, you, how you finish out, it, it just doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, the only thing that'll matter is if it's a team that, 
obviously wins the wins their tournament um and they're replacing a team but other than that uh you're really not changing a seed like i remember a few years ago michigan state won the big 10 tournament and it seemed like for sure that they should be a number one seed over gonzaga um they won the big 10 tournament nothing happened to their seed why because the yeah. selection show was a half an hour after the game exactly yeah yeah lucas is it more of a convenience thing like ah we're not going to change the bracket now if it is that's annoying to me personally <laughs> I, I agree yeah I, I it's just not that hard to make a contingency bracket mm-hmm. um for that sort of thing i mean if you know what's going to happen you know what's going to happen there if you're that determined to be like well if their quality metrics don't move enough because they win by two rather than ten uh, I, I don't get it i i i'm i am still frustrated at how in particular the sec tournament was treated last year texas a&m um, i'm guessing where you're at yeah texas a and I, I i'm not gonna argue that they should or should not have been in the field um but if they're gonna miss the field they shouldn't be the fourth team out um which is what they were last year and, and tennessee landing on the three line instead of the two um after running through the sec tournament with wins over mississippi state kentucky and texas a&m last year i think should have been on the two line um quite frankly right but I, yeah i, I yeah, think brad hits it right i mean Friday, Saturday, Sunday didn't matter last year, and there's no indication that they're going to this year. Yeah, when it, when it came down to it last year with Texas A&M, like you mentioned, Texas A&M was a team I had in, and Notre Dame that was a team I had out. That's and if wonderful. you go top to bottom, compare those resumes, there's not a single argument to put Notre Dame in if you looked at those resumes on Sunday. Yep. I remember, wasn't Notre Dame the team that like nobody had in in, in, in the bracket matrix? It was like... Where the heck did that come from? Was that was they, Notre Dame so, Rutgers last year? There was so one team that no, like nobody Notre had Dame in the was field. A team that, Notre Dame was a team that people probably had in before oh, the crap. conference tournaments began. Okay. And then after they were eliminated early, people took them out. Uh, but the committee, I guess, made up their mind by that point. Man, annoying. That that I, I've noticed that last couple of years, and I've started to try to just ignore like Brad said, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So don't be expecting to see some major swings, I guess, what I'm saying on those three days. Uh, games to watch this, this weekend, guys. A couple on Saturday and Sunday, just so all of you are aware out there. Uh, for seeding purposes, some interesting games. Texas at Baylor, big battle between two seeds. We talked about the possibility of Texas jumping to that one seed if they somehow run the table. I think Brad touched on that a bit. St. Mary's at Gonzaga. What is it going to take for St. Mary's to jump Gonzaga, Brad, in the in the S curve? Can it be done with a sweep of the Zags and, and an outright win to the WCC? I think it can be done. Um, I think there's a better chance of them being on the same seed line, though, yeah. than, than actually having a better yeah. seed than Gonzaga. But in terms of the S curve, yeah, I, I think it is possible. I think if they beat them again, they should be ahead of them. And again. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> three times would be all right. Listen, we're going to put St. Mary's ahead. We get it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, also on Saturday, Michigan State goes to Iowa. Again, that cluster, that eight, nine, seven, wherever you have them cluster, that's going to be determined pretty quickly, I think, over the, these next week or this next week or two. Auburn at Kentucky, same thing for the SEC. Now, the bubble gets it pretty interesting here, Lucas. San Diego State goes to New Mexico. We've talked about how the Lobos need a big win. Is yep. this a Q1? For San Diego, I have Q2, right? Would be San, San Diego, Diego State. It's a Q1. It's a Q1. If New Mexico beat San Diego State at home, that'd be a Q1, a Q1 for both teams. Yeah, San Diego State 16 in the net. Yep. So huge opportunity here for New Mexico, obviously, to get another Q1 win, get closer to the field. You got K State and Oklahoma State. 
talked about the cowpokes. Not safe. Not safe by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, right on these guys' cut lines. And then TCU at Texas Tech. Do the Red Raiders have that magical juice to get into the tournament, make the, the miracle run? We'll see again. I'm rooting for it. I like chaos. Uh, and then Sunday. Chaos. Sunday, we didn't even talk about Northwestern, uh, Lucas, on the on this show. I think you guys did on Monday. But what a run they've made lately. And actually, they're playing Maryland, a team that I kind of wanted to bring up anyways. Maryland's predictive metrics now are crazy good. I, good. I close my eyes. I open them back up. They're 17th in Kempom. When did that happen? This is Kevin Willard's best team in Kempom, by the way. Better than all the Seton Hall teams he had, which is nuts to me. Um, Northwestern, Maryland, Lucas, they're around six seeds for you currently. Yeah, and Northwestern is a six. I have Maryland is a seven. They're about three spots away from each other for me. Um, I think you can make an argument for either one to be a seed line higher. I think Northwestern could be a five right now. Maryland yeah, could crazy. be a six. You want to get to those ceilings. Yeah, absolutely nuts to think about Northwestern, man. Second place outright right now in the Big Ten. Uh, and then bubble on Sunday, more Big Ten. Wisconsin at Michigan. Talked about it a couple times already. Absolutely enormous game for both teams. And then Rutgers at Penn State. Brad, I kind of want to see the Nittany Lions in the tournament. Again, so I like I like Jalen Pickett. And if Rutgers loses this game, Brad sounds the alarm for the Scarlet Knights. I will sound the alarm if they lose this game because this is a this would you be won. a quad one loss. Okay, if they true lose enough. their next game at Minnesota, that's when you sound the alarm. But in, in, in terms of in terms of Penn State, if you're a bubble team and you have a home game, you need to win. You, you no. cannot lose home games at this point in the season. Now, Brad, move the camera so we can see the Rutgers flag behind you. I kind of <laughs> see it. I kind of see it. Yeah, yeah. A Rutgers alum. Yeah, are you just doomsdaying uh, being a Rutgers alum? Because I, I get that. As no, I, I am not a doomsday <laughs> person whatsoever. I just like to keep it real, and I want all the information that I have, I want it to, to be well-documented to the public. And positive. Fantastic. Yes, <laughs> fantastic. All right, guys. Hey, great show. Fielding the 68 is back on Monday. Again, our cadence, guys, is Monday and Friday, 4 p.m. Central. Reminder, the full bracket is going to be tweeted out. So the full bra- consensus bracket, Lucas, Brad, Rocco, Andy, the great minds, the bracketologists uh, have put together a bracket with Dagan's help, of course, doing the seeds and the regions. Uh, that will be tweeted from the Field of 68's account on Twitter. Check it out after the show. See what these guys think so far of the field. And we will see you on Monday. Have a great weekend. Enjoy some hoop. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.